We live in a culture that thinks influence is more important than identity. That's why everyone wants big Instagram accounts, Twitter pages, and Facebook timelines. Identity should always be more important than influence. This is a quote from Joe Campitella, who is the guest on today's episode of the Noteworthy Podcast. Guys, I am so excited that you have tuned in today. I really believe that you're going to be blessed. This interview goes deep. It has a lot of very deep questions, a lot of deep conversation, and I know it's going to bless you and it's going to bless your ministry. Brother Joey Campitella has become one of my dear friends over the last seven years. He's preached a three-week revival at my church every year uh, for the last six to seven years. And I just don't have the adequate words to describe how much this man of God means to me. He has sat down with me on constant occasion to invest into me, to help me to grow. The number one lesson that I have learned from Brother Campitella, and I didn't have a chance to tell him this in the interview, so I wanted to share it with you before we jump in. He told me one time uh, when he preached a message called, I Will Never Get Over the Gospel, and uh, Brother Campitella has a way of preaching the gospel in such a real way where it feels like you can just reach out and grab it and take it home with you, and that's why you see you know, the first time he preached for us, we had 40 people get the gift of the Holy Ghost in that, you know, that first week of revival with him. We've literally seen hundreds of people filled with the Holy Ghost in his revivals over the years. And he taught me, he said, Nathan, never assume that people know the gospel. When you approach the pulpit, always assume that nobody knows the gospel and they may be hearing it for the very first time. Those words of wisdom and advice forever changed my ministry and changed my life. All right, guys, Brother Joey Campitella, he's pastoring in Bunnell, Florida, having revival. He was a full-time evangelist. Now he is pastoring. Be blessed by this interview. Thanks for tuning into the Noteworthy Podcast. Let's go. Have you ever wanted to go to a music conference, but you didn't have time to leave your house or leave your city? Well, I want to tell you a little bit about my friends over at the Worship Workshop, an online music conference happening Saturday, September 14th, over 30 sessions by 15 presenters, including Andy Ferguson, Travis Dykes, Joy Norris, Sharon McKee, and many more. You can register at www.theworshipworkshop.com. Today's episode of Noteworthy is sponsored by The Worship Workshop, so be sure to go check out that website. This is an incredible online resource. Be sure to go support them. It's going to change your life. Back to the show. Hey, Brother Campitella, how are you doing today, man? 
uh, I'm doing really good. Except for the hurricane, everything's just wonderful here. So Dorian is just day. not not cooperating with people. She's not cooperating. They don't know where it's going. So it's all exciting and fun. My kids are preparing for a hurricane party. We make it a lot of fun. They're going <laughs> to run around with headlamps, and <laughs> bottled water, and squirt guns. And so it's just a blast. Man, that is awesome. Well, I'm glad you're there uh, praying it away because if anybody <laughs> has power in their prayers, I know it's uh, Joe Campitella. And uh, man, oh, thank thanks. you so much for taking time out of your schedule today uh, to do this. I know you're extremely busy. So, man, this really means a lot. Well, thank you for having me and to be on with the Nathan French oh, of Nathan and Rachel. <laughs> You're crazy. Um, I, I listen to your music constantly, man. I, I'm always in the airports and, and uh, your your playlist is one of my favorite go-to playlists, especially if I want to feel the Holy Ghost. And man, praise God. I appreciate you guys. Man, that means the world to us. Thank you so much. Um, for those listening, uh, Brother Campitella and I... Uh, I consider us old friends now. I don't know how long he considers somebody to be an old friend, but uh, it's been like seven years, six or seven years you've been preaching yes, for sir. us. Yes, and sir. Uh, man, when I tell you that we are just connected to these people, I am so thankful for your friendship. Don't make me get emotional now, because I will, <laughs> but I'm so <laughs> thankful, so incredibly thankful for your friendship, and I hope that I think it would be a much better podcast if you got seriously emotional like you couldn't <laughs> control yourself, so let well, it flow, man. Well, there may be some tears, but thankfully it's not a video podcast, so I can weep and cry, oh, and people might not know about it. <laughs> But man, uh, I will never forget the very first time that I heard you preach at my church, and I saw you, and I thought we're going to be friends. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about it. We're going to be friends. And wow, I remember you preached. I will never get over the gospel, and that moment changed my life. I feel like a friendship was born, and from that moment, you have been one of my all-time favorite preachers and dear friends. So I want to jump into some questions here. Uh, and your ministry has blessed my life in more ways than I can even say on this podcast. Uh, but you have such a dynamic and a powerful ministry. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about when God called you to the ministry? And was it a precise moment in time? Or was it a series of events? I think that's that's a great question. I I got the Holy Ghost when I was 13, and I believe immediately God called me with a dramatic moment into the ministry. Now, I, I had felt things before that moment, but that I, I'll never forget it. I was at the altar. There was a youth leader in our church. I had just gotten the Holy Ghost. This youth leader came over, kind of the most generic um, prayer that you could pray for somebody. You know, God wants to use you, Joey. Right. And he put his hand on my back and he said those words. And when he did, um, something exploded in, inside of me. The Holy Ghost exploded inside of me. And it just hit me, wow, God does want to use me. Wow. And, and it's kind of both, Brother Nate. It's, it's both. It was, a, it was a dramatic moment and it was a process of events, a series of events. Because gotcha. from then on, in my teenage years, God would visit me and, and, and call me. And I dealt with so much insecurity and fear about being a minister, letting people down, never being able to measure up, 
um, <clears throat> never really being a minister that would be effective in the kingdom and trying it and making a fool of myself. I had all kinds of issues. But God, through my teenage years, he kind of he kind of would visit me with this call, but then he would put it on the shelf and say, well, just come be with me. Just wow. come spend time with me. And it was that process of being with the Lord uh, through failure, through weakness, through imperfections, through dysfunction, but still still somehow God broke through that and, and kept calling me into his presence. And I, I, uh, I began to pray consistently as a teenager. And that, that was the key that kind of solidified that call in my life. Man, that is beautiful. Now you have recently transitioned from full-time evangelist to pastor at Apostolic Church of God. And is it Bunnell, Florida? Am I saying that right? Bunnell, Bunnell, Bunnell. Yeah. Um, man, Rachel and I so enjoyed getting to go visit your church, getting to be with you. I was just sad that y'all weren't there, man. <laughs> well, they loved you guys. They they were like, "Hey, when you're going to have them back?" I think they may have loved you more than me. So it's, it was <laughs> I, a good deal. I highly doubt that, but man, they were so kind. And y'all are y'all are having revival. How has that ministerial transition? been for you i gotta tell you it's been it's it's been emotional for me because, <laughs> because you are like my all-time favorite evangelist and you, you you have been for years now and so we've always booked you for like three weeks at our church i know that's not possible now but how has that transition been for you going from evangelist now to the role of pastor well there's 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 so much to unpack in that question um, right. And so I'll just kind of I'll just kind of gloss over it. But, you know, the transition to me involves so many things. There's the logistical transition of moving from <clears throat> Bellevue to Flagler County. And um, there's that. That's that's been um, that's been good old fashioned hard work, getting our house ready to sell. Right. And then finding a place over here. We're living in a motor home, which I, as an evangelist, I dreaded motor homes, man. I hated motor homes. We had two yeah. and it was just like uh, purgatory in, in a tube on wheels. I hated it, dramatically hated it. Wow. But as soon as we um, accepted this pastorate, uh, my wife had the brilliant spirit led idea of getting a motor home and putting it on the church property. And, and, from the moment I've been in it, it's been heaven on earth. It's just a totally different feeling. And it's because my other motorhomes awesome. represented coming out of a season, and this motorhome represents coming into a new season, and the feeling is just entirely different. So Man. that's been that. Then there's the spiritual transition. You know, God spoke to me out of heaven in August uh, 2017. I was on a three day fast. I was preaching in Texas. I was in a prayer room preparing for church that night. And having an extended prayer meeting. And during that prayer meeting, God just said, Palm Coast. And, and, and I had been thinking about what's next, what's coming, why am I feeling these things? And he said, Palm Coast. And when he said that, man, <clears throat> I, um, I, uh, I had a pretty severe reaction to it. I, 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 uh, I, I became exceedingly excited, got online, looked wow. up the Flagler County area, found all the logistics and, I was kind of scared about it, honestly, because it wasn't anything I had expected. My dad had pastored here for 20-something years, and I had really not even given it a second thought. There were some other churches that were uh, making their interest explicitly known to us to come and be their pastor. And they were very you know, healthy, large, uh, financially 
secure churches. And so for God to tell us to go to a church with 34 members, I, didn't, I just didn't even consider it. But when he said right. those words, it was like lightning. And, I, and I, wow. I went through a process of a few weeks. I told God, I said, if it's really you, have my wife say something. And she did end up saying something a few weeks later. <laughs> you know, have you thought about maybe going to Benel? And, and, uh, She's so awesome, man. I agree with you 100%. Uh, thank you for saying that, too. But, yeah, so that, that was, that was a, the spiritual process. God began to speak to me um, probably more plainly than he ever had in my life. Wow. About three or four different questions I asked him about coming here. And, um, and he, he just nailed it. And one of them, he just kind of read my thoughts. He just read my thoughts. I'll tell you that one. The other ones are kind of personal, but yeah, go ahead. He read my thoughts. He, he I, I was thinking, man, you know, Banel, it's like the backside of nowhere. It's just a mm-hmm. tiny little. There's literally less than two thousand people in Banel, and it's a tiny little town, kind of the armpit of Flagler County. And I was just thinking, Banel, why, why, you know? And he said, he said, don't. He just spoke to me very plainly. Don't let your location define you. Wow. He said, me and Abraham changed a desert into the center of the world. <laughs> and and so those My kind goodness. of things were just like these massive spiritual uh, jolts that he gave me. And then finally, of course, I, I called Brother Stone King about it. And before I even said, hey, Pops, he interrupted everything in the conversation. The very first things out of his mouth when he answered the phone, he was like, Joey, <laughs> have you ever thought about pastoring, boy? <laughs> And that kind of just floored me because he had wow. never said anything like that before. How about that? Yeah. And, uh, of course, Brother and Sister Varnum, they they were 100% for it. And she had been hinting around for about a year. Hey, what about Benel, you know? And uh, I hate to say that she was right because she just rubbed it in <laughs> viciously that she should have just listened to her in the first place. So <laughs> there's been that. As far as the, the ministry transition, Brother Nate, the way that I preach is different in Benel than when I preach out. Okay. Um, um, uh, it's just a different process. I, I preach more of a, a theme and a direction, a general direction, an overall direction for the church here versus when I go out, it's a, it's a kind of hear a word from God and just hit what's in front of me. And uh, so that's, that's a little bit different, but not a massive ordeal. You know, it's interesting that you said that because I've noticed that uh, in my father's pastoral ministry, like when he preaches out, it is very different than when he preaches at home. There's like a different, yes, sir. There's a different feel to it. So I can definitely understand that uh, from looking at yes, his sir. ministry. And, uh, and I think you're. Oh, so yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you're accomplishing two different things. Really, your 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 goal is two different things. And right. so the the means by which you deliver the word and the flow that you delivered in, and even the anointing that flows is is just slightly different. So I can I can relate. Man. So you've written a great book called Your Campus Revival, and uh, people usually refer to it as the book on campus ministry. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the origin of that book? And also, do you plan to write more in the future? Well, thank you for saying it's a great book, and and I'm I'm thankful it's been a blessing to a lot of people. the, the origin of that book came out of our campus revival. My wife and I, this is before we got married, I was the student pastor at Souls Harbor First Pentecostal Church in Bellevue. And uh, Pastor Jason said, hey, why don't you go try to get something going at the college? And uh, so I went over there and 
we begin to push for it and reach for it. I had done a lot of fasting and prayer as a student there, but now coming back as the youth pastor, it was a different dynamic. I had always felt there would be something special that happened there. Uh, when I was a student there, I had prayed, and in my prayer times before college classes, God would, the Holy Ghost would just come on me. And I, I remember very distinct visions God gave me, uh, one of which was baptizing a very tall athlete in the swimming pool. And um, so when we went there, I'll just be brutally honest about, about it with myself. I was, I was not equipped to do it. I was exceedingly bashful. People don't believe that now, but I was very, very bashful. I was very low-key, very introverted, afraid of everybody. And then Jessica came to college as a student, and she was exactly the opposite. She was just in your face. She could care less what you think about it. She's going to tell you about Jesus. If you don't like it, fine. She's going to find somebody else. And so we we were in a meeting. We had us four and no more. We had a piano. We were playing and singing. And I was just like, you know, we got to hold on for revival. God's going to do something great here. And Jessica interrupted me and she said, hey, we don't have any visitors today. And it kind of infuriated me. I'm like, you know, I'm the leader. You you need to be quiet and just listen to the leader, you know. (laughs) And she said, she said, uh, she said, look, there's people passing our room. They don't even know we're in here. She said, I'm going to, I'm I'm not staying like this. I'm going to tell everybody on campus. There's like 7,500 people on campus at the time. She said, I'm going to tell everybody on campus about this club and about Jesus and about our church. And and the thought literally occurred to me, number one, is that legal? Like, can we just go up to people and, and tell everybody about our church and, and pass out these flyers? And right. the, the thought had never crossed my mind. Mine was more of a, let's pray and fast until God shows them how special we are. And they'll come running to us and say, hey, please tell us about the gospel and being you know saved. Um, but but she, she said that, and man— it made me mad. It made me adore her. It, it made me think, okay, this girl is something. I got to get, you know, got to get to know her a little bit better, and, and eventually marry her. Of course, you can't <laughs> do anything with a girl like that except marry her. Right. And so, God, honest man, and and I, I captured that spirit of fanaticism, and we went nuts. We really went nuts, and we had a bunch of people get the Holy Ghost, get baptized. Um including the that athlete that I baptized in the in the swimming pool. Um, he was six foot nine and I'll never forget it, God fulfilling that vision. And we had <coughs> excuse me, we had several uh, great soul winners come out of it and several people gone out of state to different churches. It was just it was something. So that that book came out of that and I, I compiled a bunch of stories and, and what we did and the prayers that we prayed and the techniques that we used. Um, the all the all the bureaucracy you have to go through to get a club and so on and so forth. So there's practical information, there's testimonies. And also God put it in my heart to gather information from other campus ministers across the movement. So their stories are in there and how they accomplished their revivals on their campuses. And it seems to be something that that people enjoy and that are, they're inspired by. Man, I'm so thankful for that resource. It is an incredible book. I know that you know the story. I won't recap it, but Rachel and I, uh, basically got to know each other through campus ministry, so that's always very special to us. And uh, are you planning on writing some more in the future? You know, I, I am planning. Now you're kind of exposing my <laughs> procrastination. Thank you, Brother Nathan. Hey, I'm um, here for you. <laughs> I, am, I am planning, and I actually have written some. Um, you know, I want to I write several different books, and they're in the works, so 
I, I do have some some actual pages on paper in in my computer of several different things that God has laid on my heart. Man, that that is awesome. Uh, you preached a <clears throat> message at our church called "Keepers of the Glory." Uh, and I consider that one of the most revelatory sermons of our generation. Have you ever considered uh, putting that into book format? I have considered that. Um, I have. <laughs> Man, that would be powerful. <laughs> to, to give you... <laughs> that would be powerful. Thank you. Now, Thank you very much. You... I have considered it. My wife wants me to. Um, so I, I just need to get my my rear in a seat and get it done. And you've, you've preached it across the country. Uh, and yes, so sir. when did God begin to put this revelation uh, in your heart? Because I believe that the church needed it. I believe it was very important. When did God begin to deal with you about that subject? <clears throat> he dealt with me um, when I first started evangelizing about it. And it was a, it was some revelations he had given me on gender wow, and the role of gender and the offices that, that God created called gender. I had never seen them before as specific offices to be fulfilled because, you know, in, in Corinthians 11, Paul said, there's, there's God, there's Christ, there's male, there's female. And each, each uh, level is the authoritative head of the, pre- the, the, the next level. And, of course, Christ was an office that was fulfilled for a specific purpose, and man was an office fulfilled for a specific purpose as the image of, of Jesus Christ. And then the woman, I had never thought of that as a specific office to be fulfilled. So I started diving into that. Wow. And the first time I ever preached it was at a conference in Brazil, actually, because I, I had it. It was burning in my spirit. and and But God would not allow me to preach it. I, I, I feel like there's a difference between uh, being able to do something and having permission to do something. And I just wasn't at the level of influence and spiritual authority to tackle that topic until God's finally said, yes, now's the time. And when I spoke it there, it, it uh, seemed to have a good impact, a tremendous impact. And the missionary there um, um, prayed over it and asked me for the notes and they began to teach it across their, their district and, and I started talking about that. Um, and it, it actually was the, the first title of it was Gender in the Kingdom of God, in the Kingdom of God. But then it developed. God just kept taking the revelation further. And I realized it was it was a lot more than just gender. So wow. thank you for, for saying that. I'm glad it was a blessing to you. Man, I'm telling you, my church has uh, never forgotten it. I mean, it just completely changed uh, the perception of how we received it and just everything about it has been incredible. And for the audience listening, I encourage you strongly. Uh, if you have not heard this message, go, you can go to YouTube, type in keepers of the glory. It's the very first video that will pop up. You can also listen to it on the apostolic tabernacle podcast and go look that up as well. Um, a lot of people don't realize this. I did not uh, submit this in the questions to you, uh, not to be sneaky, but I just forgot. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize how musical you are. <laughs> you know I had to hit on this uh, for just a second. Um, and I know that your wife has been trying to get you 
to record an album. I've been trying to get you to record an album for years now. Uh, but, you know, one of these days we will finally get you in the studio. And I just wanted to say that uh, on the air here so that when it finally happens, the world can know that that uh, I was one of the ones encouraging you because that's going to be incredible. <laughs> I'm so Thank ready. you, Brother Nathan. I'm, I feel so encouraging. You know, really, in my defense, I, first of all, thank you for saying I'm so musical and I appreciate that. You are. Very man. much. That's, that makes me feel very warm and fuzzy. Um, but, you know, the issue has always been just time in, in, in evangelism. Um, it, it's, it just it seemed like a, we tried several times to schedule it in. It just seemed absolutely impossible. And my voice was always raw. But we do kind of feel like maybe um, in our new season, there may be a better opportunity to do something like that. So we have talked about it a little bit. But but thank you for your kindness and um, and your sneakiness. Well, I'm here for you. You know, this is this yes. is what friends are for, to be annoying. And I'm, yes. I'm always here for you. Um, I was... <laughs> I was I was so thankful for Mark Brown's message on prayer at NAYC. Um, I actually um, got to talk to him a couple days before the conference, and he was telling me how you guys talk almost every Monday. Uh, and I was like, well, that you know, he's an incredible guy, so that makes sense. And he, he talked about prayer at NAYC. It was, it was really a highlight of the conference for me. Uh, and I've heard you teach on on levels of prayer, uh, and I, I have a lot of respect for you when it comes to prayer being uh, manifest in your ministry. You can tell that you have spent time with God before you preach. And so what are some prayer habits or strategies uh, that you could share with our listeners who are trying to learn how to deepen their prayer life? Well, the, the first prayer habit that I feel like people need to master is daily prayer. Um, that's, that's the ultimate foundation of effective prayer is daily prayer. I think sometimes we shortchange ourselves because we have these great prayer meetings at church or great prayer meetings on the weekend or maybe here and there sporadic, but we miss a day here or miss a day there or even miss a few days in a row. Right. And there's no substitute. There's nothing that can substitute for daily prayer. So first, first thing to lock in into the very fiber of your core soul is daily prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, yes, sir. You know they collected manna daily, uh, and that that was a symbol for what God was going to do. You got to you got to get this bread of life daily because yesterday's bread of life is already. Cur- eroded. And if you try to live off of that, you're going to find worms in it. You got to get something fresh today. And so, so daily prayer is, is absolutely the foundational key. Then beyond that, God will begin to, I don't think he'll start. I don't think he really will work on you or open too many doors for you in prayer, uh, until that's, that's done. Um, there, I mean, he'll, he'll honor it with, you do he's he's delighted for anybody to pray right but i really feel like the doors of the supernatural begin to open when you prevail right in daily prayer so so beyond that um you know i i i begin to pray and god god asked me uh when i was 15 years old i was praying i tried to pray an hour a day 
I wanted to be just like Lee Stone King. And I felt like if I prayed an hour a day, <laughs> it may, may end up happening like that. And, right. and, uh, but I, I was exceedingly dysfunctional. I was a total freak, um, had a lot, lot of issues, sin problems, all kinds of weird, crazy things. And, but through it all, God just, his, he was just so good and kept talking to me. And so I remember at 15, he, be, I began to get real frustrated with God because I had been praying an hour a day for about, you know, two weeks. And nothing was happening. I didn't see angels. I didn't hear any uh, direct voice from God. I didn't have any visions. Or, that's what I wanted. I wanted Jesus to be real to me. I didn't want to live off of somebody else's Jesus any longer. Excuse me, I'm going to take a swig of water. You no, can no, edit this ahead. out if you want to. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> now you're just being dramatic. Oh, <laughs> Well, now I can't edit it out. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't hear any of that. So, <laughs> oh, that's staying in. That's staying um, in. No, great. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, so prayer. So anyway, <laughs> um, where was I? You, you just totally you, distracted you had me. Just, like, oh, yeah. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So he he asked me. I, I got frustrated. And I was like, God, where are you? I want to know you. I don't. I don't feel anything in prayer. I've been praying for two weeks for an hour a day. Where are you? And he spoke to me. He said, can you pray five more minutes a day? And that would be an hour and five minutes a day. And, and I knew it was the Lord. And so I did it. And, and a few weeks later, same kind of scenario, just frustrated, not getting anywhere. Can you add five more minutes? Wow. And he took me as a teenager just strategically and steps, tiny, small steps at a time. He took me into hours of prayer a day. And um, that that revolutionized my whole life, man. That that saved my life. It it delivered me. It 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 exposed me to a level of his presence I had never experienced before. Praise God. And and it was it was in that kind of slow process of building up that God began to sensitize me to his presence and, and, and revelation and, and understanding supernatural things and, and uh, so many visitations of God and just crazy spiritual things happen and it's just wonderful. So so I think um you know, the first thing is daily prayer. The second thing is tr- maybe increase your time a little bit. If you're bored with your prayer life, nothing right. can can help it more than just hey, add add five minutes a day and watch what happens. Right. Add right. ten minutes a day. Maybe do a double duty, and just wa- watch what happens. And so he did that. And then um, when I was up to um, a good good amount of prayer a day, he began to loose me from conventional prayer completely. Because I had my, you know, uh, prayer chart and all that stuff. He began to completely loose me from all that. And I, it's just kind of like, Brother Nate, you step into this river mm-hmm. and this river just takes over. It just takes over. I would just get lost in prayer, man, lost in the spirit, lost in speaking in tongues, lost in praying over things. I never thought I'd pray over in a million years, praying for countries, praying for missionaries, praying for oh. revival in countries I've never even been to just you just you lose track of time you, and you, you you know when you first start praying you you think you've prayed 30 minutes and you look at your watch and you you see you've prayed three minutes and it's devastating it's like oh my <laughs> yeah. goodness I'm not getting anywhere yeah but when you get into that flow it's exactly the opposite wow you'll have prayed for an hour and you'll thought you've prayed for 10 minutes you just lose track of time and that Awesome. That's that's a realm that it's it's just a flow, man. It's a river, 
Um, so he introduced me to that. And, and then instead of trying to get through my prayer meeting, I would try to find that river every day. That was the mm. key. Wow. Finding that flow. Finding and, the river. And, yeah. and then to find that flow, I realized I had to do something different. I had to do crazy things. I, if I couldn't find the flow, I wouldn't just go through my normal prayer time. I would, I would dance or I would try praying really loud or shouting or getting a hanky and just running around or rolling or, or, uh, praying scripture out loud or screaming or praying outside or, I mean, to, and it was all finding that flow. That was the main thing. Where's the flow? I didn't want to pray without that flow. Prayer was boring without the flow. Prayer was stale without the flow. Right. Wow. And, and he, he showed me, there was a period of, of life where he showed me if you really want it, you can have it every single day. But Man. you have to pay the price for it. Wow. And sometimes that price was two hours of prayer. Sometimes that price was six hours of prayer. Sometimes that price was all night prayer um, to find that flow. And uh, but but I found it. And so um, that's kind of a in a nutshell, I guess, you know, um, going from simple to to things that are that are out there, you know, daily prayer and then increasing your prayer time and then, and then searching for that flow of the spirit where he judges, he decides what your prayer time is every day. Right. Right. That's a different, that's a different thing. Man, that's awesome. I've heard you say many times, you can have as much of him as you want. There's no, there's no time limit. Uh, I've heard it said that it doesn't matter if there's holes in the bucket, if it stays submerged in the river. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. No, that's Uh, great. I'm stealing. (laughs) No, so, yeah, feel free to use that that if you want. Um, I will use that. You you preached at our church a couple years ago. I was reminded of this last night. Uh, I was was creeping a little bit uh, watching some of your messages last night uh, just uh, in preparation for this podcast, and I I was watching Keepers of the Glory for probably like the ninth time. And, uh, you know, I've seen you preach it in person. You guys need more kids, bro. <laughs> We're working on that. We got we got a second one that's almost you got here. too much time on your hands and more children. <laughs> it's just that good, man. And so, but I, when I was watching it, I saw that you mentioned um, uh, when you were preaching at our church, uh, at Apostolic Tabernacle, Pastor Talmadge French, and you talked about how Michael the Archangel showed up to fight for us that night. And I... Yes. I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite like that. I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, it's like you could feel the the brush of angels' wings. It's like I I was on my face. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that night and and what happened? Would you share that story with our listeners? Yes, sir. That uh, that was that was something else, man. I I remember first of all that week fighting tremendous spiritual opposition. And, and just, Man. I had been, I, I had just completed, um, the longest fast, uh, of my life. And I was just fighting all this opposition and I was in the car with your brother, Ryan, and we were preaching for, for um, oh my goodness. Uh, there was another church that had invited us and we were preaching for them that afternoon. And on the way home, I was just expressing, I said, man, there's some serious spiritual opposition going on here. I mean, this is weird. And he's like, you know, it's Gay Pride Week in Atlanta. Oh, wow. And I 
was like, okay, I didn't know that at all. And I began to research that and what they do. And, 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 and every time we came and preached a revival for the French church, there was gay pride week in Atlanta. It always coordinated with that. Yeah. Okay. So it didn't coordinate. It coincided. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always make sure we get yeah. you here that week to pray. pray right. Against that. Right. Right. So I, I had, I went to the hotel that afternoon and I prayed. <clears throat> I said, and I was so tired. Um, I asked the Lord, I just said, Lord, I, you know, I need some help. I need some extra uh, angelic help. And I, I feel like God gave me that revelation that dominion is, is uh, basically how many angels you have fighting for you and, uh, and what size they are. And so I, um, I, I asked him, I said, Lord, you know, would you, could you please send Michael the archangel here to, to Jonesboro, Georgia and, 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 uh, let him just destroy all the opposition. I said, you can just clear his day planner for five minutes. He doesn't have to stay. Let him do a flyby and then he can fly off to China or whatever. And, and I just kind of let it go at that. And that night, of course, the, the Holy Ghost took over. The power of God fell. There was just a total breakthrough in the spirit. And during that, I mean, I knew I could feel something very profound and very powerful, very electric. But I really didn't think about Michael the Archangel. I just really didn't. Until Sister, um, what's her name? Sister, the, the sister, that's in your sister Lucas. Yeah, Sister Lucas. Sister Lucas. Sister Lucas came up to me and she said, Brother Campatella. <clears throat> This was my first introduction to Sister Lucas. I have learned since that she is absolutely yeah. an amazing, yeah, she's dead-on a, woman she's of She's incredible. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she came up to me, and she said, Brother Capitella, she said, when you were preaching, a mighty angel came through the wall on the left side of the church. And she said, I, I couldn't see it with my eyes, but somehow in the Spirit, God revealed him to me. And he stood behind you. He moved behind you. And, and then it was just like God opened this thing for me wow. to see what was happening. And and when that happened, you know, God God showed me, you know, I've answered your prayer. Your, oh, oh, she said, she said, no, I don't want to sound spooky. I'm not trying to be spooky. She right. said, but God told me the name of the angel. It's Michael, the archangel. Man. And, and when she said that. God, God revealed to me, Hey, I heard your prayer. And not only have I heard your prayer, I've answered your prayer. And, um, and that was just a profound moment. And there was some, there was some other things that happened to to show us what was going on. But it's interesting, brother Nate, because it was right around that time that I began to really, really preach on hair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I believe that, that, God sent that angel to confirm that and to destroy opposition to that. But it's, it's also interesting that that happened in your church. You know, I, I tell everybody about that. And when I preach that message, it's interesting. It happened in your church first, because I mean, uh, you know, the French family, I know I'm on your podcast, but we say this everywhere. So you can, you can find it not on this podcast, but the <laughs> French family to me, I don't know of another family that personifies true holiness Man, uh, so like fun. your family does, not only not only in how you dress and but your character, your your spirit of holiness, and and it was just a perfect setting for this thing to manifest. But since then, since then, it has happened over and over and over again where Michael will show up, and, and especially when I'm preaching the keepers of the glory message. My goodness. And, and it's, it's happened several times to where the whole spirit realm shifted 
so dramatically and so quickly that the weather changed instantly. I preached it in one church, and and the pastor came up to me. He said, hey, we're, we got to get everybody in the building. There's tornadoes touching down right now around the city. And, and we were having a mighty move of God. I preached it in another church um, that uh, I, was, I had my Apple Watch on at that time while I was preaching. And while I was telling the story of, of the previous miracles that had happened with this angel coming and the weather changing, I got an alert on my watch that said, tornado warning which means they're actually touching down it's not right just watch out for them they're actually yeah. touching down yeah um this has happened over and over it happened in thailand just like that it started pouring rain all of a sudden instantly and sister tifa Dula, the missionary texted me she said this rain is a sign from god for what's going to happen tonight we had been fighting tremendous spiritual warfare and that night the holy ghost fell and she came running up to me and said, um, she she was kind of screaming actually. Her eyes were wide, mm-hmm. and she said, "Michael, Michael." She said, "Brother Joey, brother Joey, brother Joey." Michael, the archangel, is standing behind you right now. Oh, and she said, "There's fire coming out of him all over this camp in Thailand." Wow. And so it's been pretty pretty dramatic, um, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. I believe we have angelic help. Um, I believe that we have everything that is recorded in the Bible, I believe, is available to us. I believe that. I believe that. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but um, your sermon on the glory, you know, on, on the covering, you know, a woman's hair. Um, you know, my father is one of the greatest teachers on that subject I've ever heard. And, and yes, he when, is. He when, most certainly is. When when you started uh, preaching that, though, like I've heard it in teaching settings, but to, when I heard you preaching that and just seeing it in that environment, that is when the Lord put uh, "When Glory Washes Glory" in my heart uh, to write that song. Uh, oh my goodness! And, I mean, it, I really don't think that song would have happened without. Your message. I know I've slightly obsessed over that message on this episode today, talking about it, but it just really has ministered to me. And I want you to know that's really where that song came from. And I thank you for that. Wow, my goodness! So, are royalties like coming or something? I mean, is this like <laughs> well, is I'm going to I'm going to send you just the Spotify royalties, which are like thirty okay. cents a year. <laughs> Yes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. No, I'm playing. But thank you. Thank you for saying that, man. That that makes me feel good. And I appreciate it very much. It's the truth, man. I'm thankful. I don't know why God would give me a message like that, but it does. It seems to have been a blessing to a lot of people. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that, man. Um, On this uh, podcast, there are a lot of people that listen that are aspiring younger ministers. And so whenever I get, uh, the opportunity to speak to a more seasoned minister, man of God, I like to ask this question. Uh, what does your sermon preparation process look like uh, between the prayer room and the pulpit? Do you use notes? Do you not use notes? Uh, how do you prepare for that? Sermon prep for me, it, it always comes out of prayer. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of I, I'm not, I take issue with sermon prep. I, I don't, I don't believe that God gives me sermons. I do believe God 
gives people sermons. For me, it's a little bit different, man. I'm not a sermon preacher. I don't, I don't feel like I, I'm not impressed with my preaching at all. Honest to goodness. I, I hate uh, hearing myself. I'm, Brother Varna made me listen to myself just for just to look at stuff that, um, you know, that needs to be changed. I was, I needed a lot to be changed when I first started. That's for sure. But he made us watch ourselves and correct ourselves. And it was always a very depressing, depressing time for me. I've never been impressed with the, the sermon of, of that I'm preaching. Um, but I've always been thankful for the demonstration that came when I preached, uh, from Jesus. And he just always kind of, backed it up and I'm thankful. And I, I believe that comes, from, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm the kind of preacher that is more of a results driven preacher than a sermon preacher. I would feel very, right. very empty if I just preached the message and just had an altar call and that was it. I would feel like I totally missed it. So it, it seems to come out of prayer. I try to pray a few hours every morning. I get up early before the sun comes up and I pray and just to tune myself in with the Lord and, um, and God will give me thoughts. I'll read the word. I study the word. I journal the word. I have a running commentary on the Bible, uh, Bible journal that I'm constantly developing and, and growing. And, um, um, I just kind of live there. And so God will give me these, these, these just thoughts, different things will catch my eye. And I'll write it down. And, and for me, it's kind of like a spiritual download, man. Yeah. He'll, he'll start downloading stuff to me. These thoughts will come. And and, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to get something in my hand as, as soon as I possibly can, as quickly as I can, because I have learned if I don't get it down, it's going to leave. It's, it's a supernatural thing, man. It, I mean, this happens all the time where I'll get into a flow of what I think I should beefing this thing up with, kind of add more meat to it. And, um, and when I do, the revelation disappears like it never was there. And I know it was there. And it's totally wow. supernatural. Wow. So I, I and, it, and it happens less now than it used to. But I, I find myself begging God for forgiveness because it's like God won't let me write sermons. He just won't let me. So wow. it's kind of like a download. God will start putting something in my spirit. I'll pray over it. Um, I'll fast over it. I'll study it out. Um, and, uh, typically I do use notes. I teach, um, and I, I don't, I don't seem to have the, uh, memory capacity of other preachers that, that don't use notes. I do study for hours and hours and hours, uh, and I pray for hours, but, um, my notes are more of like trigger lines. They're not necessarily exactly a word for word gotcha. that you read. They're, they're these different they're lines that trigger a certain vein. Gotcha. Okay. And so I'll have them in my iPad. I typically use an iPad and I'll, I'll, I'll look, look at that line and it opens up a, a vein that God wanted me to flow in and I'll start walking. Okay. Typically I walk and preach and I'll just kind of follow that. So I don't know if that makes any sense at all. To me, it's the most no, absolutely. random, um, no, that's, that's sermon prep ever, but that's good advice. You know, uh, uh, last week I was, I was talking to Victor Jackson and he said, I prepare, I asked him this question and he said, I prepare the messenger more than I do the message. I thought that was, ooh, that's that it. Was, that was good. And that, boy, he uh, says some good stuff. I tell you what, oh man, that's, that's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say <laughs> that I like that. I like how you said it too. I really do. Um, well, man, I, I want to be 
respectful of your time. I know you have a busy schedule. I'm going to, I'm going to close out with this question. Uh, you know, at NAYC, Brother Jack Cunningham, he preached about, uh, Generation Z, uh, being apostolic to the core. And so I want to end, if you would leave us with this question, what, what words of advice would you leave us with regarding our generation? And what do we need to work on to make sure we are apostolic in these last days? That's a big question. To yes, me, sir. it's it's um, it's a it's a simple answer, but it's a hard answer. Mm-hmm. It's not complex. It's hard. You know, I think we're more knowledgeable than previous generations. Okay, I think we're less spiritual than previous generations. Wow. We we have to work less for the knowledge that we gain today than any other generation in history. You yeah. just type in a question, yeah, man. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. there's in, innumerable resources available to you. So that has affected us. You know, I, I remember stories of my elders, Brother Stone King. He told me he would come home from work and he would just eat a quick dinner and then lay on the floor for hours and hours, seeking the face of God. He did this every day. Bishop Varnum, when he first started pastoring, you know, he would fast days on end and just fast and pray all night prayer meetings and visions would come and Sister Varnum fasting every other day, literally fasting every other day, uh, praying for hours. She was praying, I think, if I remember correctly, she was praying three hours a day at 14 years old, at 14 years old. So those things, those things were like lightning in my spirit. And, and somehow, Brother Nate, God, God gave me the revelation. The only way we're going to stand on the shoulders of the previous generation is if we match their consecration. Wow. We have to we have to mimic them, man. Yeah. I think we can preach better than them. I think we have more talent than them. I think we have more opportunity, more knowledge. But bro, I mean Mark Brown nailed it at Youth Congress. He we sure pray did. less. We pray less than they did. I remember I remember old time preachers talking about if you don't pray an hour a day, you're 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 risking your soul. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly I, I kinda lean towards that, man. Yeah. I kinda lean towards that. And I think that that needs to be heard, you know, uh, so, so to answer your question, what do we need to work on? My Lord, we need to work on our devotion. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. We, need, we need to really work on our, our consecration to God and get back to the basics of, of prayer and fasting and studying the word of God. Um, because if we don't, we begin to deal with what we're dealing with today. What we're dealing with today is confusion of our identity. Yeah. We're dealing with a, a temptation from hell that says, I want you to trade your identity for influence. Man. That's that's what people want. That's why they want, you know, large Twitter accounts and large Facebook accounts and huge Instagram. They're wanting influence. Sure. But they're they're losing their identity. We've got singers singing in churches that are not apostolic. And I don't mind you doing that, but but they better know exactly what you believe. Right, and the problem is, is if you told them what you really believe, you wouldn't be singing there anymore. Wow! And so they're trading influence for their identity, and and that's that's the one of the greatest challenges I think we face right now. The devil is trying to, to deceive this generation to, into thinking that influence equals identity, or influence equals the power of identity, and it doesn't. 
Um, so I, I preach that everywhere I go. Um, you know, we gotta, we gotta pray. We gotta get into that old time consecration and we gotta love holiness and separation from the world. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's so simple. It's not dramatic. It's not glamorous. Uh, but that to me, those are the answers. It's so important, man. I'm so thankful (laughs) that you have taken time uh, to, what to, a pleasure, man. man! Thank you for having me, man. This just made my entire week. I hope you know that this has just been uplifting. <laughs> to, it's been it's been uplifting to me, and I want you to me know too, that uh, you and your wife and your kids and just your family, you guys mean the world to the French family. We love you. We speak highly of you everywhere that we go, and uh, I am so thankful for your ministry. And I am praying for. You know, your city, your church. I know that God is exploding revival in that city. And I sure hope we can get you out here for at least one service uh, in revival. That'd be awesome. And That'd be awesome. And I want to say something about you. And, and, and I, I thank you, Brother Nathan, that you are so incredibly otherworldly talented, you and your wife. But that is not your main thing. That is not your main thing. Your main thing is flowing in that anointing. And when you guys sing, and I'm telling you the truth, I wasn't trying to flatter you just because I'm on your podcast. I have you in my iPhone on a playlist. And and if I really want to just get into the Holy Ghost, man, I listen to your songs. And and um, I thank God for you. The anointing of the Holy Ghost flows through you. Your talent is not your main thing. Your pleasing the Lord is the main thing for you. And, and everybody sees it and they feel it. So thank you for everything you're doing for the kingdom, buddy. And thanks for having me. Man, that means so much. I love you guys. And uh, I hope to see you very soon. I hope you have an awesome day. And thank you for taking the time, man. I love you. Okay, I love you too, bro. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.